0: Hello, Calvin Mitchell, and I am leading the Lord Church of Christ Bible study on 1 Corinthians. Today we will be finding ourselves in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and while you're uh, flipping your Bible over to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm going to give a little overview of where we've been so far. Where we've been so far is uh, the the church in Corinth, Um, was dealing with some real issues with carnality, uh, with sexual immorality, and with so many other issues that were um, prevalent uh, in the community in which they lived. In chapter one, we talked about understanding the division that was in the church and how it was an issue. Chapter two dealt with the folly of human wisdom, and how spiritual wisdom is more desirable. Chapter three, we dealt with the spirit spiritual maturity and carnality. Uh and carnality was something where uh the, the Corinthians were very um entrenched in the flesh, uh and they were just desiring doing what they desired. Uh which again, uh when we studied um the church uh, uh, in Corinth, uh, we know that they were, uh, subject to the environment that was happening around them. Uh, there was a lot of wicked things that were happening in the city of Corinth, uh, because of the nature of the, of the, um, of the city where it sat, the influx of, of, um, of multiple cultures, uh, the, the, um, the, the pagan, lowercase gods that that were being served uh, and worshipped uh, it just was a, a it just made it a really uh carnal and unspiritual place in terms of um, uh, in terms of morality and then chapter four uh, which was our last lesson it conclusion it, it was a conclusion of a much larger division but what we saw in chapter four was really, um, the, the, the whole idea of discussion of division and really in chapter four, uh, it kind of bring, it brought a conclusion to a much larger division, which was, uh, problems reported by the house of Chloe. And we were in, uh, that started in chapter one, first Corinthians chapter one, verse one, uh, verse 10. Uh, and it's go and it goes all the way uh, to First uh, Corinthians six, uh, verse twenty, uh, and the first section um, that that we studied uh, that is now coming to the conclusion, and we're going to actually start a new section was the factions in the church, and that started at First Corinthians chapter one, verse one, uh, to First um, First uh, Corinthians chapter four, verse twenty one and now we're talking about sexual immorality um and that's 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 1 through 13 we only have 13 verses uh but they're packed with a lot of information here and so um again having to deal with the problem of division uh was something that was discussed in the first four chapters uh and now paul is um shifting the focus to uh immorality um some of it some may think of the mentality in the first uh four chapters uh and now we're talking about morality uh mentality versus morality uh and then we see here um paul describes uh starting out if you for the outline for the, for this There's really two main sections. Uh, The first section for 1 Corinthians chapter 5 is verses 1 through 2, which discusses the problems of immorality in the church. Problems of immorality in a church, and that's verse 1 through 2. And then the much larger section is the second section, which uh, talks about uh, instructions for dealing with problems. And that takes us from 3 all the way to 13. 3 all the way to 13. So let's say a prayer, and then we're going to hop right into this lesson. Most heavenly and gracious and merciful Father in heaven, we're just so thankful of the blessings that we have each and every day. We're so thankful for your Son, Christ Jesus, and his sacrifice on the cross for us. As we study uh, 1 Corinthians, we ask that our hearts, our minds will be open and receptive to hear the word and to learn the word and to let it dwell on our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, hopefully you're there with us now. It reads, verse 1, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality amongst you, and such sexual immorality is not even named amongst the Gentiles. That a man has his w- father's wife. So here in the first in the first verse, um, Paul comes quite quite candidly here. So we see here um, actually reported um, that's that's really factual, right? So there's nothing. There's not a. There's not like one person that might have said this, right? This this is actually reported. So hey this is really happening about you guys and this is what's being said that there's this sexual immorality and when we think of this sexual uh immorality it's a it's it's a broad term which refers to all types of sexual immorality uh that's happening outside of marriage so if you want to conceptualize uh, what was happening um some uh, some versions uh some translations actually might say um uh, commonly this is actually commonly reported instead of actually uh, I'm reading out in the new king james which says actually but it's the same thought here um there was uh this sin that was happening um which was uh pretty heinous um it was pretty it's pretty ugly right um the sexual immorality that was happening Um, was not even named amongst the Gentiles. So he's talking to Christians. He's talking to church people. And he's saying, hey, even the Gentiles aren't doing some of this uh, stuff that you're doing. Uh, And so this is obvious a place of concern because uh, as a church, uh, we are representatives. We are ambassadors of Christ. So if we are engaging in something that even the Gentiles uh even the non believers even those who are outside of the church are not doing whoa uh that's pretty jarring so as we move on here um this this idea of a man um with his father's wife um the language here um is not a casual um acquaint- a casual acquaintance it says that a man has his father's wife um uh, and so we have this idea that they're in a relationship and that they're that they uh are engaged in an ancestral relationship uh and that was taboo even then right so we can think about now and currently how repulsive that might be now to think about a relationship um uh, uh, like this but it was even repulsive back then (laughs) even at that time and that's why uh paul is writing uh in concern but what happens even further is even more concerning um and we'll read on so verse two says and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he has done this deed might be taken away from you so here's something interesting so this problem of immorality in the church um is bad in itself it's horrible it's propugnant it's bad bad stuff that's happening but what's even worse is that there's this idea of this puffed up attitude that the corinthians have this the church the church and corinthians had towards the sin So it would lead you to believe that the sin was taken lightly uh, and that they were not actually um, addressing it in the right way. And we're going to we're going to get to that a little bit more. Um, But puffed up uh, really comes from the thought that uh, they were arrogant. uh, They were carnal as to excuse this extreme witness witness uh, wickedness. So it's kind of interesting. Um, on face value, what they were doing was horrible. Uh, this man and this woman, what they were doing was horrible. But what was even more horrible is that they were in an environment in the church in which people were so arrogant, were so um, uh, were so carnal that they didn't even bat an eye, and that was really disturbing. Really disturbing. And when rather than um, remove and address this situation, it appears that it it, it just went on. And so we see here um, a really strong accusation, or or thing, or something that was reported, and how it should have been addressed. And so in moving on to verse three, uh, 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 verse three to 13 we see here um paul's instructions for dealing with the problem right so he identified the problem in the church of immorality in the church in verses 1 through 2 and now verses 3 to 13 he's gonna give instructions for dealing with these types of problems because as you can imagine if uh you if there was an issue that in the church uh, and it wasn't being addressed and people were actually puffed up and arrogant about how they dealt with it and were carnal, right? We read that before they were carnal. The church was carnal. So you can imagine how, you know what, um, we're, we're, we're just going to keep plugging along and we're just going to keep, uh, doing what we're doing. And Paul is really trying to uh, give them a really strong rebuke to help to turn this church away uh, from their sinful ways. So here, uh we're going to start to look at in verses 3 through 13 instructions for how to deal with this problem. So as we see in verse 3, for I indeed as absent in the body, but present in the spirit have already judged though I were present him who has done this deed. So Paul is saying, "Hey, you know what? Paul has <laughs> passed judgment on the sinner and the church needed to do so also. So you might say to yourself, well, hey, doesn't Matthew chapter chapter doesn't Matthew chapter 7, I believe, say something about judge not? Right? And some people might say that, right? Hey, you know what? And this is a popular verse, right? A lot of people who are not even Christians know about this, right? But but let's read that a little bit. Let's flip over to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, verses 1 because it's important for us to understand this because this will help us with the trajectory of how the rest of this uh, passage will will flush out and will give us a lot of nuances on uh, how we should um, deal with these types of situations when they arise in a church. Now, granted, we might not have something that egregious uh, but there is no respecter, there's no degrees of sin, right? So when we're having any kind of sin, this is how we, could, how we would deal with it. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 says, Judge not that you not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye, hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye and then you will clear, see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs nor cast the pearls to the, before, the sw- before swine, lest they trample them under feet and turn and tear it uh, uh triple on their feet and turn and tear you in pieces so it's not a it's not a pro it's not saying that you can't judge but there is a righteous judgment that we're all supposed to exercise uh with careful uh discernment and um we see that uh when in matthew chapter 7 verse 16 um, that we are to judge righteously and not to judge people arbitrarily on on, uh, and we have to be mindful of 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 what we're doing, right? Uh, because this does talk about this concept of judging, so I, I wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit. So uh, we're gonna flip back, and we're looking at um, three, right? And we see here uh, that Paul uh, really passed judgment on the sinner and the church need to do also so this is the idea of righteous judgment right we're not looking and saying um and we're not giving a judgment any other than than what's righteous because the the opportunity to restore someone to Christ is what the focus is here that's what the mission is um not for gossip um not for entertainment it's solely to re- restore the relationship between the sinner and God, and that's what's happening here. Um, And so we must exercise judgment uh, as Paul uh, had had done. And so, and now we're going to look at verses four through five. uh, Verses four through five. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of the Lord Christ Jesus, the Lord uh, Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Again, see, the whole point of this is reconciliation, is to reconcile one with Christ. Uh, Reconciliation is is an interesting word. It actually is where where we get a lot of our accounting terms uh, and how uh, at the end of the year, we have to give taxes, right? And so, what they do is they reconcile uh, the books, right? So they they take it, they take an inventory of everything and put it together to make sure that it that it comes together and that everything matches up. <clears throat> it's the same the same thought that is here, that we are um, making sure that we are in a right relationship with God um, ultimately, um, consistent. Um, with with a holy person um, in the name of the Lord uh, is what we see here. Again, the focus is this righteous judgment. Um, and gather together is the action to be done by the church. Right? We meet uh, when we meet publicly, and it was interesting um, that the the term power is used here because it's a it's a it's authority is in view the action of the unrepented sinner in the church carries a weight uh of the lord's authority so we have to it is our uh it is the duty uh of the church members to reconcile to restore to to support and restoring and sometimes uh to restore someone you have to withdraw right and it, it might seem counterintuitive because some people might say hey you know what uh we need to go to this person and 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 try and try to force them to be uh something or to force them to repent or do these kind of things and but that's not what that's not what paul is saying Paul is actually saying we we're, we're trying to restore that person and sometimes in in that restoration process, there has to be a step back um from fellowship uh so that the person can uh in in effect uh, feel this, this, this sense of, we know that, uh, in the Lord's church, the beauty of community, the beauty of being together, um, the beauty of people who are patient, people who are loving, people who are kind, people who are gentle, people who are long suffering, people who are loving each other in a mighty way, in the way that Christ Jesus, um, loves us. But when a person is withdraw is withdrawn from, right? And we and we we take a step back uh and say, hey, you know what, we, we can't have uh this sin in the church. Something interesting happens that that causes people um to 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 to, to reconspect, right? To to look at themselves and to, to look at their their sin and to say, you know what, I need to give this sin up because the the fellowship with the Christians, the fellowship with godly people, the fellowship, uh, with what God ordains is so much more beautiful than the sin that I'm engaged in. And that's really what's happening here. Um, so this idea of, um, deliver, um, is really kind of like a judicial sentencing. Um, is is really where that word comes from. Um and so even now we say there the the jury is gonna deliver a verdict, right? And we see the same terminology used here. Um and so this this idea of this of of, of removing uh, removing folks from their fellowship um is really becoming kind of a is gonna be kind of a linchpin here to the discussion of how, uh, Paul gives instructions for dealing with, with problems. Um, because, uh again, this, this, this issue, um, was quite egregious, uh, and, and caused, um, division in the church, right. And caused, uh, um, um, a lot of issues. Uh, and so we're going to look on, we're going to, um, flip on, um, to the, to the next section here. So, Um, And it also talks to why church discipline is needed. Um, We're going to pick back up here at six. Your glorifying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? So this is interesting. So glorifying uh, would probably be better translated uh, as boasting. Um, and we'll, it really feeds into what we see a little earlier, right? In verse two, they're puffed up, right? They're puffed up. They're arrogant about what's happening, what's going on, right? And then we see here in verse six, this idea of glorifying is not good. <clears throat> it was not good because the proud sense of satisfaction that these, that the Corinthians had, uh, was really blinding uh th- themselves to their duty to address the blatant sin that was amongst them uh so if you think about the this idea that they were so proud and they were so boastful and so arrogant uh they were so 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 puffed up so proud that they were not seeing the sin that was right before them or they saw it and just ignore and just and just didn't address it which um which is what what um verse 2 really is really saying to us right because it instead of mourning uh instead of being sad that this is happening um that you know in effect they're, they're glorifying they're boasting in this uh and so we see this in this this next concept here of an analogy do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump and so this is kind of interesting um because many of us are not bakers today uh, but leaven, uh, mentioned isn't merely just yeast, um, but a pinch of dough that was left over from previous versions. So, um, in, in ancient times, uh, the way they would make bread is they would, they would make bread, right? And there would be leaven in the bread, uh, and then, uh, they would take a pinch of that dough, right? But that would have that leaven in it and make another, uh, another batch. Right, but if you had um some a leavening agent that didn't work or that was bad and you put into a new dough, now you got two bad batches, right, and it's gonna spoil your your whole your whole um your whole batch of bread. uh bread was actually made by using a pinch of dough from the old lump that you could make the new lump, right. Uh, and what happens is um, bread would rise, right? It would be puffed up, right? Uh, and so it's interesting because this whole idea of puffed up, which we saw in verse two, here comes again, and this, they would understand this idea of what leaven would do in bread, right? And that it would puff up. Um, and this illustration um, is is another is a, is an example of the sin and pride that was there. But let's look a little bit more into this um, because he, he's, he, uh, Paul's not done with this idea of, of, um, of leaven and, 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 and the bread. So, therefore, this is verse 7, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you are all unleavened. So you see here, um, if you understand the the concept, uh, if you, if you were to, to, to get, you got to get rid of that old leaven, right? Because if that old leaven, uh, is brought into that new lump, it's going to spoil the whole batch, spoil the whole batch. Uh, and so it's unusable. So when you're, when you're going to be waiting for, um, This good bread that you're going to have and it's not going to produce the results you want because it's bad. Now we recognize um, this concept of unleavened bread. And we know that unleavened bread is associated with the Passover. And so we're going to talk about this idea um, because uh, something interesting is going to happen, right? We understand that unleavened bread... Uh, was used for the Passover. Uh, and so what actually happened was during the Passover, you would have to purge all the unle- all the leavened bread uh, so you would only have the unleavened bread. Because for the Passover feast, you needed the unleavened bread. So all the leaven was removed from the house and nothing with leaven was uh, was to enter the house for a week. So they would have understood the concept of how this analogy would be working here. So, we have this sexual immorality in verses 1 and 2, and this sexual immorality was horrible. Uh and so much so that even the pagans wouldn't even be engaged in this type of uh, this type of uh relationship. And what what Paul is saying is because of that, uh you were puffed up and and you're not addressing that issue. You're not addressing it. Because you're not addressing this issue, it's causing issues in the church, and it has to be addressed. And what he said is, what we, what you need to do to address it is to take it out of the church, remove it out of the church. And when you remove it out of the church, this is the way that you uh, preserve the church and reconcile uh, and bring the, the, the sinner to repentance so they are reconciled. So in the same way, if you think about this whole idea, hey, you know what? If you have this bread, right, and it's got leaven, uh, and it's and it's got that bad leaven, you got to remove that leaven away from that bread because the bread will not be able to do what you want it to do unless that old leaven is 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 removed out of it. That 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 leaven that is bad. Now they would have understood that. Think about this. This would be a perfect analogy for them because they would have known, hey, you know what? Not only did we take the leaven out of the bread during Passover, we removed the 11 out of the whole house. In fact, it was out for weeks or for a week, I should say. So this idea of removing um, this bad stuff for a period of time. Would not be lost on them. And they would understood they would have understood that quite easily. Picking up in verse eight. Uh truly a lemon, for indeed our Passover was sacrificed for us. So in verse eight, therefore let us keep the feast not with the old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Here we go. We are taking away the old leaven of malice and wickedness. Malice and wickedness. We're taking it away. But with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Do you see that there? This concept of extracting you think of a ball of dough and you're taking some something away from it and just it's okay if it's smaller because what we want to do is 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 preserve the integrity of it right now you're not you're not saying we're going to toss it away or or not use it uh but 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 what we're doing is we're, we're looking at this uh problem issue and we're looking to support we're praying for it. we're praying Uh, we're, 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 um, studying, we're, we're, we're encouraging, uh, but it cannot remain and fester in your bread. It can't remain in your church because all it's going to do is create a bad bunch, right? And we see that, don't we, in church? Uh, someone, uh, marries, uh, maybe someone who is, um, is not a, a, a not a Christian or or has nothing to do with with uh with, with church and then someone else says hey you know what somebody else did it I can do it right and then somebody else says they can do it before you know it um you you kind of have a perpetual thing right um or someone is engaged in sexual immorality and and very open about it uh, and then other people say hey you know what if John can do it or if Frank can do it or if Bill can do it uh I can do it right and and see that instead of addressing that issue it can perpetuate and ultimately spoils the whole lump so um in our last section here verses 9 through 13 uh there's going to be clarification and um concerning uh church discipline so uh, Paul spends the, these the, these last uh, couple verses to really uh, get them right um, on the right um, in the right direction, the right path to understand church discipline. Verse nine: I wrote to you in this epistle not to keep company with sexual immorality and sexual immoral people. Here we go again. This concept of um, of not keeping company uh, and the, 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 root word that, that was used, um, the Greek word uh, really means like mixed up together, right? So, uh, to keep company mixed up together, uh, what, what does that mean? It means that you're, it, it's this idea of the fellowship, right? Uh, and so, um, so verse 10, Yet I certainly did not mean with six, uh, yet I certainly did not mean with the sexual immoral sexer, sexual immoral uh, immoral people of this world, or with the covetousness, covetousness, the extortioner, the idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. Okay, so here's the concept. Um, he's talking about christians right uh another thought here along these lines um let, hold on let me let me let me read verse 11 first and, and then I'll, I'll i'll make that point but now i have written to you not to keep company with any named a brother again here we are we're, we're looking at this is the church who is sexual immoral sexual immoral covetous or an idolater or a reviler, or a drunkard, or exit or extortioner, a, a or not even to eat with such a person. Now, you might be saying, "Wow, that's harsh." But again, Paul clarifies his intentions in the earlier letter. He expected them not he expected them to disassociate with those who were were said to be brothers, but had a consistent pattern of sin. It's not it's not hey you know what i'm i'm cutting you off forever because of one a fraction. these people were engaged in a perpetual um pattern of sin uh and because of that and because it was it, it was never addressed uh that is where the issue uh comes in and that's what paul is really hitting home Something, um, something else for us to consider. If you go over to Second uh, Thessalonians chapter three, Second Thessalonians chapter three, uh, verse six says, "But we command you, brethren, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the traditions, which." he received from us again the same thought is here Um, he required that obedient christians um, really guard their fellowship uh, and and that they uh, that they are not engaging in fellowship with folks who are in perpetual sin the reason why is because eventually those people will corrupt those other people or influence, right? And so, when we look at uh, verse uh, chapter uh, verse fourteen of S- uh, Second uh, Thessalonians chapter three, uh, verse fourteen says, "And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, know that that person and do not keep company with him, that he may be ashamed." See, there's the point. Uh, and look, look at verse 15. Yet, yeah, do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Again, the love never ends. We never stop loving. We never stop caring, and we never stop the concern. But Paul's idea and Paul's uh, inspiration uh, by the Holy Spirit led him to let this, let the church know that they have to withdraw if they're in this situation uh, with this person who is engaged in this perpetual sin. Um, and, and he uses a lot of words here, um, that really expand on just not sexual immorality, right? Covetousness means people who, uh, want to have more and extortion are people who are stealing with violence, right? Revelers are a description of a person who, uh, who, uh, is, is uh, is an assassination of the character of others, right, and so we see all these things we see drunkards, right some people say, "Hey, you know it's okay to have a drink, but we all know that um drunkard, drunken uh being a drunkard uh which really in in this true definition is alcohol- would be what we be consider an alcoholic um and and so these people um because of the state. Uh, because of their perpetual sins, not a person that sins and repents and moves on uh, to, to live faithfully. This is a person that is steeped in sin, which what is defined in, in, um, in verses one and two. Um, and so uh, verse 12, for what have I to do with judging those who are on the outside? Do you not judge those who are on the inside, right? You know what, people on the outside of the church. What are we judging? That we we don't judge them, right? Paul never intended himself or the church to be judges of unbelievers, right? Um, what we are doing is righteous judgment for people who are in the church, right? Can you not? That that's not to say that you can't uh, support people and 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 help them to see. Errors in their ways and that they need to be, um, to, to repent and to be baptized, uh, to have a relationship uh, with Christ. Um, this is merely uh, a conversation amongst Christians is, is what Paul is saying. And verse 13, but those who are outside God judges. So we don't got to worry about those folks. Therefore, put away yourself from every evil person. That is the crux of of what should be done um, in dealing with church discipline uh and I and this 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 ver this chapter was 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 very con- tight and concise uh but very helpful uh hope you have a blessed day